If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. Face It Foundation, started by Mark and Bill, have focused in on what I believe is a huge need in the world of men's health. They've created a comfortable environment for men going through all types of challenges to connect, be vulnerable, do activities, and develop a support system for themselves. It's a safe space where men can express the struggles they tend to go through silently in our culture. And this silence is part of the reason that men are taking their own lives at about three and a half times the rate of women. That's roughly 35,000 men each year in the U.S., and that number is on the rise. The conversation we have is, is not just about men as, as much as it is about humans and our need to be heard and seen and have our uh, challenges acknowledged. And it's also about our need to give and receive support. It's about empathy, vulnerability, and strength. These are all things that Mark and Bill have built into their approach at Face It. They share their own struggles very frankly, not in search of sympathy, but simply to state the feelings of inadequacy and failure that are all too common and that led them at one point to, to both to nearly take their own lives. As they explain, it's not so much about it's not so much depression that's the focus of Face It, but having the leadership and support of other men who won't judge your challenges or struggles and a group who can identify with you and who will hold you accountable for your choices through the peaks and valleys with your challenges. I had a great time talking to these guys. Here is our conversation. Mark and Bill, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be with you today. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. So uh, I'm, we're actually doing this in your space, which is nice. Got, got to see Face It Foundation. When did you guys start? We started Face It in 2009, the fall of 2009. So we've been at this now for eight years. It's, uh, it's grown exponentially. Uh, we started off with very little money, very little people. And now we have close to 100 men coming through here all the time. And we have this beautiful new space that you just got to go through. Yeah, where, where were you guys before this? We were in a, a, started in a small office in, in northeast Minneapolis, just one single office, probably about 200 square feet. And then we decided to upgrade once our, our, our model took off, and we went to about 450 square feet in, in, in St. Anthony. Okay. So here we are now. We've moved to New Brighton. We have 2,500 square feet. We have the Face It offices. We have the Face It Center, which is more of an activity center that yep. we're in today. And uh, I think we're talking about maybe looking at buying a building at some point. Good. You guys, I, I hope you guys start to get enough uh, funding and attention to start doing it too, because this is a huge thing. I just kind of going through your website and looking at this, the, the statistics of what's going on with men in depression. It's kind of astounding. It it really is, and and I think what what's really taking place out there is that so many men just continue to um, struggle along in silence, and you know, doing their best to make sure everyone thinks they've got it all figured out and that they're doing just fine. But the reality is is that there are many, many men. And in fact, if you if you kind of look at depression from a different angle, you might find some data or you would find some data that would suggest that maybe men suffer from depression at a greater rate than women yeah. when you start factoring in things like anger and aggressive behaviors and those sorts of things. Yeah. How, how do you guys – do you have some kind of definition that you work with that would – what what are what is what is depression? What are, what are early signs of depression? You know how do you how how would somebody you know listening to this or someone trying to figure out if they're in need of some some support and help? What are what are some signs? I, I mean I I have a little bit of experience because I had this period of pretty chronic pain for a few years and a few really bad bouts and I can tell you that those I had one month where I was completely down and out with back pain and coming out of it the fog of of you know your headspace when you're in that is something that I can relate to and I can see now 
when I'm working with people with chronic pain, what that looks like. What, what do you guys see and, what, and, and tell us a little bit about your experience? I know you guys have shared a lot on your, on your site as well. So I think, you know, one of the things that, that it's important to understand about Face It is that we leverage peer support and, you know, we're not, we, we don't sell ourselves as therapists or clinicians. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, if you go to the internet or certainly talk to your healthcare provider, there are diagnostic criteria for depression. Um, you know, the, 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 the two higher level things we look at are, have you lost interest in activities that you previously enjoyed and yeah. do you feel down most of the time? And then yeah. there's, there's seven more symptoms associated with sleep and and you know appetite and energy level and suicidal thinking for us we don't require that you have a diagnosis of depression we don't we don't diagnose you to yeah, begin right. with and and i think one of the uh, and bill you can chime in here too i think one of the things or a few of the things that we see are we just see guys who come in here and say this isn't what i thought i signed up for okay they're just kind of lost, and they don't think they have the right job, and they don't think they live in the right neighborhood, and they don't have the right car. They, these guys feel this sort of empty sense of just not being very fulfilled with life is what we see. Yeah, the, the one thing that I remember reading that you shared in your, in your video, I think, on the, on the website was this kind of like sense of uh, this, this false belief that you were failing in, in your life. I had this over, and Bill can talk about this as well, and we sat down with a guy yesterday who is an incredibly um, uh, talented, uh, overachieving individual who had, in his early 30s has accomplished more than probably Bill and I will accomplish in our entire lifetime, <laughs> yeah. and he feels like he's letting everybody down. Right. It's that over, overwhelming sense of I'm inadequate, yeah. and it's really common in guys. Yeah. And part of the deal we deal with here, too, is is the word depression can have an effect on people. Yeah. It's like calling someone an alcoholic. Yeah. That that triggers a response. You tell someone they're suffering from depression or someone has cancer, that triggers a response in yeah. them. What we say here is, you know what? A lot of these guys are just struggling. Yeah. And that could mean I'm struggling with my relationship, I can be struggling with my mood, my self-esteem. I'm struggling. Yeah. And that's a less that's a less harsh word for people to hear a lot yeah, and, of times. And to think about what that, what, you know, then to go into that and say, well, how, how long has this struggle been going on for? You know, and, and has, it gotten, has it gotten better or worse? Because a lot of times I think when you come in here, guys don't know what depression is. Yeah. They don't know if they're depressed or not. They can take a, t- a test and it could give them some direction. But to us at this point, when they come to us, it's the fact that they're struggling. Yeah. And that's what we can help with. And, and it's a matter of the tools, too. I mean, I think that's why it's important to have this kind of situation where you have a community, you have, you have a support network, you, you have the ability to, like, be with other men who might be having similar struggles. I mean, we, we can relate it to something like alcoholism, but, you know, there's so many different things along these lines. Alcohol might be one of those things. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there may just be some, you know, personal demons that have been going on since childhood. Right. And, and I think you, you, you touched on a very important part about community. Classically, these guys that we meet, they all have friends, you know, guys they bowl with, guys they fish with, guys they drink beer with, guys right. they listen to music with. And you ask them, have you ever shared with them that you're struggling? And of course not. Yeah. We, we, we still have this overwhelming sense as men that we can't tell anybody that we're struggling being yeah. vulnerable is risky yeah and I, and i and i i mean having grown up uh with just a mother not having a, a man in the house i i think i didn't i didn't have any sort of sense of what i was supposed to be like as a man which was good in some respects <laughs> because i think i learned to express uh, at a, at an earlier age but i also didn't have the ability to understand how to communicate with an, another man. And, I, and I, I've, I've, in my adult life, I've met so many people like me. We had one older gentleman come to one of our groups, and he said he really didn't feel depressed. He just wanted some guy friends to do something with. Yeah. And so he came every other Tuesday to a support <laughs> group just to be able to hang out with other guys. Yeah. And, and watching men suddenly um, interact with each other and discover that power of having guys that they can speak to if I could somehow capture that in a pill form, right. I, I would I would solve many of society's ill problems, I think, with men. Because what these guys don't realize until it kind of lands in their lap is, wow, I can actually tell another man that I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm afraid, I'm whatever. 
And that guy looks at him and says, yeah, me too. Yeah. The, the power of something as simple as that, it's life-changing for yeah. many of our guys. And, and the, the, I think it's interesting to even think about the pill form. I mean, without bashing the, the, the psychiatric community, there are times when we need that bridge. There's no doubt about it. But if that is your only tool, I think that's a problem. And I, the, 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 the pharmaceutical or the, the drug that they're using may be just one another kind of substance because most I'm sure you guys find most of these guys probably have had some history of alcohol issues or porn or you know whatever it is that they're using as as a as a way of sort of dealing with their you know anxieties and their struggles yes absolutely and 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 we won't we won't bash uh anyone we won't bash psychiatrists therapists anybody you know the the real issue when it comes to the pharmaceutical management of depression is that pills are being asked to do more than they were ever designed to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and pills are being handed out with maybe overt or maybe not so overt promises of this will fix you. And yeah. and it's not the pills' fault. And the psychiatrists and the medical doctors and the nurse practitioners they're using a tool that's been given to them. Yeah. And um, I think what becomes very important is for all consumers to understand the limitations of the medication. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a super good point. And, and, and I think what you just touched on are other underlying issues. You know, so many men, um, and again, this is obviously women deal with the exact same issues, but we, we started this thing to help guys because we are a couple of guys, and I guess we think we understand men better. But, um, you know, so many men, one of the underlying epidemics that we've uncovered here is the number of men who have been sexually abused. Is that right? And, and you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a social worker by background. I've, I've worked in the mental health field for 20-plus yeah, years. I was going to ask you what your background was. And, and, you know, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I, I, I would suggest to you that at least a third of the men we've met – have carried since childhood without ever talking to anyone yeah. this history of sexual abuse and and it's incredibly traumatic and and I don't know Bill what your thoughts are on this uh, can, I, can I ask you one more question Mark oh, of course so as, as as a social worker did did you get the same kind of statistical information or has it has, has this place given you more as far as that as far as the sexual abuse childhood sexual abuse this place has opened doors that were never open to me yeah. as a as a professional that's, that, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, because what happens here is that, you know, when I was uh, working as a clinician, nobody could go on a website and read a bio that, you know what, I used to drink too much and I tried to take my own life. No, nobody could read that about me. Yeah. Now when they come to face it, they see me as a real person who had the same struggles as they yeah. did. I've not been sexually abused, but I had other issues that I right. grew up with. Yeah. And, and so what has happened here is that that barrier has been taken down about well he's you know he's the professional and he he's not going to tell me anything about him and these guys tell us lots and lots of stuff that i never heard when i worked in a in a more uh, formal capacity if you will yeah part of that too has come to the fact that if you look at a piece of paper that's got statistics on it yeah and says one in 3 may have may have been sexually assaulted you read it and okay that's one thing to have a gentleman sitting across from you crying and saying he has never told anyone in his life about this before, that has to have more of an impact on you. It has to, make, it has to open your eyes more. Yeah. And that's what we see here a lot. You know, We give presentations around the country, and we call it Real Men, Real Stories. We can spew stats and studies and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but it's real stories that really bring out the impact of what's going on in our country with depression and anxiety. Yeah. Which is, and it's really important that you guys. We talked. We talked about this a little bit earlier about solving our own problems, <laughs> but as as people who are you know helpers in, in in some way in this in this field. But the the fact that you guys have shared your personal stories so much, and I'm sure there are things that I mean, it's not like we're 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 done. You know, this, <laughs> just because you've taken on this this challenge to help other people, doesn't mean that you're done with your issues. And I imagine that you still kind of get to continue to do your work. It, it's interesting. The gentleman we met with yesterday, we told him that when you leave here, don't think that Bill and Mark have it all together and they've got it all figured out because <laughs> yeah. Bill and Mark do not have it all figured out. <laughs> right. We keep trying. We keep working. And yeah. we, have, we know what's worked for us. But we get a lot out of running groups and meeting with guys as well. And, and, you've, mean, and you've built your own support system to some extent, right? 
we we kind of laugh, you know. I mean, this this will not come as a, a shock to anybody who might be listening to this. We we often we often find ourselves working or creating uh, uh, entities to solve our own questions or to answer our own questions. Yeah. And Bill and I have the luxury every morning of spending twenty minutes talking about. What's going on in your life? Yeah. I mean, how many people get to go into work right. and say to their colleagues, so this morning I woke up and I couldn't stop crying? Yeah. yeah. And we have that luxury here. Yeah. So what, what is, Bill, what, is, what was your background before this? Um, my background, it's interesting. I get to ask that a lot. I need to think of a better answer other than saying that a number of years ago I wanted to drive into the base of a bridge. Okay. I, uh, I am a more admin type business person. That's my background. I've owned businesses and different things. Uh, one part of my business that one part of my background that we, we hardly ever share is that Mark and I are related through my wife. My wife and Mark are cousins. Oh, wow. So although Face It has been around since 2009, Mark and I have been around together since about 1984. So wow. we've known each other for a long, long time. Huh. And uh, I think that helps us in our way we deal with people, the way we run our business here. Um, the long-term relationship's important. But my, my background is more in business. I've always been in business management, in charge of people, in charge of project management, that type of thing. And it came to, Mark came to me at a point in my life where I was just sold a business and I wasn't sure what was next. And he says, you know what, I've got a great idea. We should do this. We should start this this nonprofit for men in depression. And as Mark is wont to do, he caught someone at a down moment in their life, yep. convinced me to do this. So uh, here we are. Uh, here we are, eight years later, and uh, still related through marriage, which is good. But uh, you know, I had my own struggles, my own battles. Yep. Um, my parents were divorced when I was six or seven years old. Yep. My mother passed away when I was fourteen. Um, so a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of things, which is interesting because it's, I felt, I felt that I was different than everyone. Yeah. I'm the same as 99% of the guys that walk through this door. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and it just got to the point where it was just too much. And I wanted to drive into the base of a bridge in Roseville and I planned it every day. And by my grace of my God, I didn't do it. And that led me to where I'm here today. Yeah. Looking through your website, I, I saw the statistic of about 12% of, of men, roughly 1 in 10, um, are diagnosed clinically with depression, and 75 men a day commit suicide in, in the United States. It's, it's astounding. And, and I, I, after I read that, I, yesterday I was going through this stuff, and I, I walked into my, my daughter's school. There's a lot of dads doing drop-offs, and I was just thinking to myself, one of these guys, you know? That's, that's, that's a kind of, I mean, it really, I don't know, it, it kind of shook me in some way. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can tell me more about that. Well, so it, it just even catches me and reminds me we need to update the data on our statistics. That number you cite, the, the 75 men a day, that number has actually, since we launched in 2011, when, when we, did, we did a cross-country we did, we did. bike ride, that number has grown to 94 men a day. Wow. 94. Of the, of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States, suicide generally ranks number 10, but it has statistically increased appreciably over the last seven, eight years. Yeah. And this number is growing. You know, yeah. we, we've gotten a little bit of a handle on heart disease and diabetes. Large numbers of people obviously are still, you know, dying of these diseases. Um, but suicide is on the rise. And, and there is no answer. We, we don't know why. It, it, it's not just depression. It's not just bipolar disorder. It's not just alcoholism. It's, you know, I mean, the first real jump in suicide occurred in 2008 when there was the real economic downturn yeah. in men. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's an issue we see here all the time with these guys is they still define themselves by the career they have. Yeah. So. And, and, and a lot of times I find it's, it's hard. You know, women are, are graduating college at a higher rate than men now. They're not necessarily getting paid at the level they should, get, but but they're but they're starting to take on bigger, more responsible roles within organizations. And I mean, I've I've gone through this with my wife. She works for a big corporate entity, and there have been times where I I've sort of seen the the I know my my earning power is still fairly high, even potentially higher than hers. But I need to see her, you know, do this for herself and and have this have this ability to really kind of like build in that 
long-term, you know, uh, confidence and <laughs> career for herself. And, and so I've taken the back seat a few different times. And I've, I, I, I took, when we moved from New York to Minneapolis, I took eight months off. Our daughter was two years old at the time. And I, I, I found it really hard. I think it was one of the hardest periods of my life to actually like really take a back seat, put my, put my career and my connection to other adults. And, and, and even just the, 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 the people sort of like giving me the appreciation for the work that I'm doing on a, on a daily basis to really, you know, cut, cut that back. And I, and I, that more and more men are starting, are starting to do that. And I see the struggle there too. And I think that struggle is real. And, and I don't, I don't, I mean, we could have that conversation and there's lots of people who would have lots of ideas on that. What I will just say to that point is that I think as the structure of society changes and men aren't getting the memo that their role is different, a lot of these guys don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of these guys then act out. You know, Bill and I could both, you know, Bill, Bill could share this story. Um, when we started Face It, we didn't get paid for the first three years oh, we yeah. did this. You start a nonprofit, you don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I have a wife and three kids. Bill has his wife, and we both have mortgages and car payments. And yeah. you don't feel real good about yourself when you're bringing nothing home. And, yeah. and you know, Bill, tell about how, how you reacted to your wife by, by what you did. Um, my, so my, <laughs> my wife has the big corporate job. Yeah. And what happened is I felt so bad. I felt ashamed. Yeah. I felt like a loser that I wasn't providing for the family. Yep. So the least I could do is make sure the house was clean and there was a hot meal for her. So I, in a way, the stereotype, right? Yep. I took on the role of the, of, I, of the wife. I did the same. And, uh, I, and, and it's interesting because after the, I did this for a while, she would call and say, how's your day? You know what? I did the laundry. I, I changed the bedding. I mopped the floor. I scrubbed the kitchen floor. I uh, mowed the grass. I did this. I washed the window. I just asked how your day was going, she would say. I don't need a list. I'm <laughs> yeah. not asking you for that. But that's how we feel, right? Yeah. We, need oh, yeah. to, we need to validate ourselves. So I started making sure she always had a hot meal on, on, on the table when she came home. And she never asked for that, but I yeah. felt that was my way of contributing. Well, what that has happened, I've taken that, that negative in a way, feeling bad and, and doing this, has taken it now into an area where I love to cook. Mm. I've taken on a lot of smoking and barbecuing stuff. And now I make food for charities and nonprofits and, and to help with people that are hungry. So in a way, that negative, that negative feeling about yeah. feeling that I wasn't providing for my family, in a way, has turned into a real positive. Yeah. I mean, you, you were building a new, a, a new part. I mean, a part of you that probably was just, you know, under the surface that wasn't able to sort of express itself, you kind of got out there. And I think that's a key because a lot of guys are, are, they have their mindset. This is it, the picture in their head, right? It has to look just like this. Yeah. And if it doesn't, that means I'm a failure. Yeah. Well, you know what? In a way, it was a bad period of my life, but you know what? Something good came from it. We have to be more flexible and open-minded. And guys that come here at first aren't that way. Right. So that's what we need to bring out of them. And we do that here at Face It. So what, what do you guys see working? I mean, this is this is kind of an interesting thing for me because because I worked for a little period of time in mental health and beca- and just even from from my work, I think I've I've sort of reimagined different ways of of how I can get somebody through a process and what you know what the stepping into it part looks like. You know, where do we start? And you know, everyone's going to start at a slightly different place. Some some people kind of get on top of things a little sooner. Some people are like bottom of the barrel before they finally get help. So you know, if if we can find any sort of common common ground here, common threads to what you guys have noticed, you know, in in maybe even in collaboration with what they're doing with talk therapy or, or medication, with with the kind of you know lifestyle and and dialogue that you guys are are promoting. I think I think a few things, and and Bill can certainly uh, add into this here, but. Um, I think what we do is, A, we normalize this for guys. Yeah, that's... Be- because even, mm-hmm. you know, if you talk to any man who's been engaged in the formal mental health system, whether that's, you know, any sort of inpatient or, or intensive outpatient program where they're with groups of people, it's 90% women still yeah. in, in yeah. these programs. So these men go into these programs and they feel like an anomaly to begin with because they don't they don't... They don't fit in. So they come here and you can attend one of our support groups where you'll be in a room with 12 other men who have some of your same story. And so now you can normalize that. Um, What else works here is we create community. 
if you're part of um, and for many reasons, it's it's not that the mental, the the formal, the the formal mental health world wants to keep people from one another. But in many group settings, if you're going to a clinic, people are discouraged from exchanging contact information, from connecting with one another outside of groups. We're 180 from that. Yeah. We we encourage people to spend time together. For a lot of our guys, they don't. I, I mentioned to you earlier, they they have their friends that they do activities with. At face it, they can meet their friends with whom they can actually share some of their real feelings. Right. And I think another really important thing that we do is um, we push guys. And yeah. if you don't show yeah. up for group, you're probably going to get a text message or a phone call or, or a snarky email saying, where were you? This group works because you're part of it. Yeah. And, you know, we don't charge. We don't bill insurance. It's a team, it's a team aspect Absolutely. to this because you, you, you're – as somebody who, else who's involved – you you want that other person there. You need that support, or or you 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 know that that there might be another person with a similar thing. And if they're gone, it's like, well, I don't have that, you know, that that teammate with me for this. Well, we say that a lot. Mark and I basically unlock the door and turn on the lights. It's the power of the group that does the yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. it it's amazing to see. It's it, it would be interesting to be able to film it without people knowing, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. I know yeah. there's privacy. But to really let people know what really happens. Yeah, I know. Because it is. We are not all data points. We're not all 53-year-old white men, blah, blah, blah. We're yeah. not. As you said, someone's in a different place than this guy and this guy. This guy's further along. This guy's doing great. But it, it moves around. It's fluid, right? Yeah. A guy that's doing great for a month will have a, take a step back. Yeah. And it's amazing in the power of this group to come together and support this person. I mean, you don't see a lot of people out there giving hugs. And when some guy's really struggling, okay, I'll get up, walk across the room, and give him a hug. Yeah. The power of that, the things that we see like that, it's, it's, it's life-changing for us. It, it, it sheds a whole new life on, light on humanity for us. Yeah. How, how do you see this? Um, what, what's, what's your, what, what, what kind of feedback do you get from people about, you know, we're talking about normalization. These people come in and do their, do their personal work. And then going back out into, you know, they, you know, we, this, I think this, one of the big struggles is always, we kind of, we do our personal work, but then we're still within our family networks, our work networks, our community networks, and we're still out there with people who are probably going through some of the same struggles, only they're masking it with, you know, behavioral things and alcohol and whatnot. And what, what, what do, what do, what kind of feedback do you guys get from, from, from that well a big part of that too is is a word we like to use here is accountability Mm -hmm. Um, we've heard from a number of people who go to their therapist they sit there for their 50 minute session they walk out and that's kind of where it stops right they don't continue on as mark said if someone doesn't continue on here they hear from us Mm -hmm. we call them we find them we track them down and we push them but we also do a lot of social activities. In fact, you're sitting in a place that in a couple of days will have 35 men here for a breakfast. Yeah. It keeps guys engaged. Our groups are every two weeks, but we need to do other activities to keep guys engaged in the downtime. And when they come here for breakfast and we're going to talk and do different things and we're going to ask them, you know, are you still doing this? Remember we talked about this. Yeah. Again, that's the accountability part. So, you, so you hear back uh, from them about sort of whatever their struggles are obviously outside of here what you're getting feedback on on what that's looking like for them so you have a sense of of how they're dealing managing back out in 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 their in their culture wherever they wherever they're at absolutely and 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 in addition to bill and i getting that information the rest of the guys in the group get that Mm -hmm. so you know like i i was saying earlier you come here we're going to collect your email as long as you're fine with that your phone number and you're on a phone list within your group now these guys help each other, and these guys are texting each other throughout the two weeks in, be- you know, in between groups. Yeah. Um, they're calling each other. They're going out for coffee with each other. They're, it's, it's kind of like friendship with training wheels because so many of us <laughs> yeah. men – you know, it's interesting listening to you. You grew up in a home without a father. When, when Bill's parents were divorced at a young age, Bill's dad was largely absent. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very traditional, intact, two-parent family. My dad was a Korean War vet who spent 95% of my childhood in the basement. Mm-hmm. He never yeah. engaged with us boys. Right, and right. so you know, neither Bill nor I, we had, we had men in our lives, but we never learned from them. Yeah. I never knew how to make friends. I didn't know how to 
you know, when it felt awkward to me to suggest to a friend that I needed to talk to him um, about something other than, you know, the score of last night's game, I panicked. I, I didn't know how to do that. So, mm. um, so the accountability part, the feedback part about your life comes to us through many networks. A guy, yeah. will, a guy will call me and say, hey, did you know Pete's really struggling? So a guy, a different guy will engage me, and now we can go at him with the whole team approach to say, yeah. hey, how you doing? Yeah. <clears throat> The 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 groups are are super interesting, and I, unless you've run something like this, it's amazing. If somebody misses a group meeting, they're out of town, they're sick, whatever. It's amazing. The other eight, nine, ten guys. Where's Where's Tom? Yeah. What's What's going on with Tom? Is he okay? I mean, remember last time he was struggling with his job. Is he okay? Did he keep his job? I mean, they're really engaged in each other's life. Yeah. And again, it normally I thought no one cared about what was going on with me in my life when I was struggling. I, guys walk in here every night whenever their meeting is, and there's eight, nine, ten guys that really genuinely care about them. Yeah. And it goes both ways. You know, guys say that when I'm doing well, I don't feel like I should come. Well, you should come to group because you're going to support the guy who's struggling just like he did when you were struggling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the, the group settings that we create or have been able to create are really powerful. They're yeah. really powerful. And, and we talked about this a little before we got on mic, but I, th- I think – there's such a growing need for this as we've kind of, you know, suburbanized and globalized that we we're we're kind of living in our own separate spaces on our little, you know, three by five inch screens. And and I think, you know, you can you can get it's it's a there's a numbing effect to doing those kinds of things for periods of time. But our humanness just re, we 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 have this need to be engaged with somebody else and to be able to express something else to another human being and and this is and this is something men are just traditionally not very good at it's not made culturally comfortable in many many ways right i have a real concrete example of what you just talked about we run a group here every two weeks um in conjunction with another organization called operation 23 to zero and operation 23 to zero there's 23 military suicides a day so Operation 23 to Zero is another peer-based group that's working to decrease the, the uh, incidence of suicide in, in military uh, personnel. These guys that come to our group every two weeks, if you think about historically, um, when people came back from war, World War II, Korea, even Vietnam, there were VFW clubs. There yeah, were Eagles yeah. clubs. There were places where people could go and gather to share their experience, their h- horrific experiences. Yeah. These guys in the military talk to us now about how when they get discharged, you know, way back in the day, you were put on a ship with your, your, your battalion and it took you six weeks to get back here. You had six weeks to decompress. These guys literally leave active military zones in 24 hours. Yeah. And as one guy said to me, I was out 36 hours and I had three kids in the van taking them to soccer. Yeah. He didn't have anybody. He had no community. Yeah. And, and for men who often actively work to make sure they don't have community because they feel un- uncomfortable in it, yeah. we have to give them that community you were talking about. They cannot figure this stuff out on their own. And whether that's social, whether that's genetic, I, you know, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of interesting things around that. There's a <clears throat> book that I read uh, last year. This guy named Dan Harris, he was a CBS news anchor. He covered the beginning of, of uh, Iraq um, after 9-11. Was, I, he was a young guy, fresh out of school, got brought in. I think he worked with like Peter Jennings or somebody big, got him, really liked him, wanted to, wanted to get him involved. Spent four years over there, <clears throat> came back, and, you know, off of that assignment, went to like the morning show or something, you know. And he ended up, you know, never really, it was always such a driven guy, didn't drink much, didn't drug anything. Came back one night, got offered some Coke at a club. He said, it's just like my brain lit up and I was that that's what I've been looking for. And what what it was, what he learned later on was was that he was he was trying to replace from a from a physiological perspective. He was trying to replace all that adrenaline and everything that had gone on while he was over there. And he was in some pretty rough spots at times. So he wrote this book about meditation and how it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the cure all. But it made him about ten percent happier. That was that was the that was the name of the book. And I, I like the idea of these incremental changes that you, you know, when you're when you're in a low place like that. And you know, he was worried about losing his job. What happened was he had a, a panic attack on TV, and that was the real like 
you know, had to go admit to his, to his physician what was going on and kind of started to work on it on himself. But I think, you know, organizations like this and groups like this, and, and it's not, it's not therapy per se, but it is a way to kind of get yourself just, just a little bit better where you can kind of have a little bit better perspective on what's happening. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's ten percent better. I kind of like that. We we've seen we've seen ten percent. We've seen eighty percent better. We've seen guys not do as well. Yeah, and you can and you can get in. there. But I right. mean, if, if if you can get ten percent, you know, in a in a short period of time, that's a big that's a that's a big shift in your life. Right. And and I think what we tell our guys is you'll get as much out of face it as you're willing to put into yeah. it. And and really what that means is you'll get as much out of life as you're willing to put into it. And, for example, we had a guy yesterday that we were working with, and he was talking about he knows he needs to do these things in his life, whether it was meditation, whether it was exercise, whether it was getting back to church, you know, whatever it is that's important to him. Yeah. But he always said, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. So we kind of started to break down his time. Well, he had plenty of time after his wife and kids went to bed to surf the Internet, to have too many beers. <laughs> right. You know, you do have time. Yeah. You'll get out of anything. He was getting great returns on avoiding his family, disengaging from life, and learning all about you know the things of the internet and and the finer properties of beer. Right. Because he was investing a lot of right. time in that. Yeah, and 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 if you can make a shift like that, and I, I I do this a lot of times when I feel like I've gotten off of tr- off track a little bit, or you know I, I think there's there I was never uh, I didn't drink much ever before I had children this is sort of strange to say but once they're down and you're like okay now I can decompress suddenly you lean on the alcohol a little, a little bit more and I started you know you, you st- it started kind of creeps up on you it's like you know, I had a glass with dinner I'm going to have another one I think and then all of a sudden it's like you know you can easily get get, a, get into that track and I a lot of times if I feel like all right I've I've totally gotten off track here Instead of instead of like shaming myself for the mistake or saying like, all right, cold turkey and never going to do this again. I I don't find that works very well for me. I feel like I have to say I can have a glass of wine at dinner. I'm done. (laughs) You know, we've had guys that come that say, you know what? I drink five beers every night, seven days a week before I go to bed. Yeah. And we talk about the problems that causes. Yeah. And they'll come back and say, well, I didn't drink over the weekend. Yeah. It's a victory. Yeah. You still drank five yeah. days. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, we'd rather you not, but still, at least you didn't drink for that one day or yeah. those two days. That's that's what's important. You know, we're talking about awareness. You're aware of when you start going off the tracks. These guys are too. And that's like, a big thing that you guys are doing. And the awareness piece is such a huge part of this too. This guy yesterday, he knew that going for a walk is better for him than drinking four beers. <laughs> he knew, right? <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a smart guy, just yeah. like all of us know that. He knows that, you know what, maybe spending time with the family is better than isolating myself and being involved with Twitter. Yeah. He knows that, and we, but he and, can't and, and do I, that. And I think we, we all know this on some level, right? But we, we're we not able to sort of like discuss that and to get feedback from like 11 other people who say, yeah, I feel better too. And then to, then to have the experience and to keep acknowledging it over and over again really is where I think the shift happens. You need that. It's the it's, it's that the building in process that's that's you know the, the important part. And I think you hit on a, a very important point when you said when you do get off track, rather than shaming yourself, you now say, well, I can just have one glass of wine at dinner and move on. The experience we have here at Face It, of course, and and I think both Bill and I would agree that. We think a bigger issue is is lack of self esteem and shame in men rather than yeah, depression. Yeah. But so many of these, you know, self esteem issues and shame manifest themselves as depression. Yeah. yeah. And so many of these guys here, when they make a mistake, rather than saying, "Oh, I can fix this, I can remedy this, and tomorrow I'll do it differently," they say, "Ah, see, screwed up again. God, mm, I'm yeah. such a loser. Yeah. Fuck. What's the point? Yeah. I-, I might as well have four more beers. Right. And that's where they go. And that's. The awareness piece we try to bring to them is it's okay that you made a mistake. Yeah. Because we're all inherently a bit flawed, I'm afraid. Yeah. So. And and I and the, there's some some stuff that I also read that you guys had put on the site that I think is super important. It, it was was about talking about lifestyle, talking about sleep is I mean, you know, I I I think we 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 don't even realize when we've gotten depleted to a certain point where you know, as I was saying earlier, it's kind of like this fog that you that you end up in in your own headspace. Um, you know that 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 piece, and and I I think for you guys, and and exercise is, is another one of those things. But instead of instead of you know talking about the the 
or, or focusing all your attention on, I really need to stop having five beers a night, building in one piece that's, you know, again, maybe we're talking about 10% here, but building in one, I'm going to get one more hour of sleep a night. I'm going to exercise at least, you know, twice a week, Some, something that's fairly manageable and small. And see, that's where the accountability part comes in as well. I uh, recently went to the doctor with uh, uh, high cholesterol. Yeah. And the doctor came in with a printed sheet of, of, of like 27 things that I needed to change in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him and I said, you better pick two. Yeah. And don't pick this one because I really enjoy this one. But you need to pick two. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not doing any of that. Yeah. It's overwhelming, right? And that's the problem, and that's what we do here. You know what? Guys we have here should exercise more. Every one of them understands that. Yeah. And exercise doesn't mean going to LA Fitness and busting out the weights for two hours. Yeah. It can mean just going for a walk, taking yeah. your dog out, going with your walk for your wife, with your kids, going to the park, throw the ball around, whatever. The problem is, is they know they should do that, but they can't yeah. or whatever. That's where the accountability comes in. That's where it's important for us to be able to follow, track, follow up with them. Yeah. Remember, we were gonna, you were going to walk this week. Did you do that? Now we expect you to be honest with us. Well, no. Well, why didn't you? Well, you know, my back was bothering me. And you know, mm-hmm. your back would be better if you stretched a little bit and went for a walk. You know, the accountability part. I mean, yeah. actually, if we could actually have the guys come here every day and go for a walk. Yeah. These guys would be a lot better off. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a, there's a lot of that that I end up dealing with, and and because I deal with a lot of a lot of orthopedic issues, back issues, hip problems, stuff. I, I find that one of the things that I just have people do is I the first thing I ask one of the first things I ask people we talking about intake earlier is what activities do you like, you know? And it's and it's funny because a lot of the activities now in, in, in involve sitting in one place. So I say. When I say activity, I mean moving your body. <laughs> the, the literal definition of the word. <laughs> right. And, and, but a lot of times what I find is that a lot of people like to be outside. They, they, I think there's – and there is a balancing thing, that, the balancing force, energetic force of nature that's just part of being you know, out, outside in, in that. And, and to try to like even get it a little organized where what's your lightest day? What's your easiest day to make this happen? You know, it's, Friday afternoons. Friday afternoons. Every Friday afternoon, you go for a walk. You're going to look forward to Friday afternoons. Yeah. And and I think that activity part, I think for whatever reason, and whether this is a new phenomenon or not, that people are very inactive. We do um, we do retreats here. And, and, and our retreats um, entail usually about 10 or 12 guys. And historically, we have gone up to a, a, a house in northern Minnesota where there's this little par three golf course. Hmm. And I know it's a bit cliche, men in golf. I understand that. But probably 90% of the guys that walk through the doors of Face It, they don't golf. And so I'll say to these guys, hey, bring your golf clubs. And I'll laugh. And, oh, I don't golf. And I'm not. I don't, and I'm like, yeah, you golf. Yeah. This weekend, <laughs> you're going to golf. And it's not about golf. No. It's about getting out and having some fun and walking and maybe making a little fun of one another and, and you know, yeah. using sort of that camaraderie that so many men don't get. And when they're out and compare it with activity and some socialization, it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's, the, it's the one piece that has to get built in long term. And that's really what I got from you guys, too, is that it's it's a it's a lifestyle shift and it, and it, you know this this idea of doing something small and, and and starting that way is is huge yeah i uh you know uh, again i know we're not going to have a podcast about what is and what isn't depression but we have tried to medicalize this condition with the belief that a little pharmaceutical and eight sessions of therapy and you're good to go yeah Maybe you can learn those things through those two interventions, but for us, our belief here is that this really, a lot of this is lifestyle stuff. And, you know, the lifestyles that don't work for you are isolation, behaviors that are detrimental to your relationship, behaviors that are detrimental to yourself. Um, and, And these things have roots in many places, your childhood, your beliefs about who you are, all sorts of things that take time for people to sort of unpeel the onion yeah. and to figure out who they are. Yeah. <clears throat> and as far as the change in lifestyle goes, our our belief is that we want these guys to change and have face it as part of their life now. Right. Um, our first group support group started in 2010, so seven years ago. And many of them still come. 
It's not like being on a medication for all that time or just going to a therapist yeah. all that time. Yeah. Because what we want is we want you to come to group and benefit from the group, help others benefit from the group. But we want you to come to the breakfast and we want you to go to the retreat. And when we go to the twins games, we want you to come with. Those are lifestyle changes to yep. be active, to be engaged, have yes. things on your calendar. Those are all things that are really important that are missing from a lot of guys when they first walk through the door. So lifestyle change is important. But we want to be part of that. And guys that have taken on that challenge have gotten a lot better. Yeah. We have a, we have we have Sometimes it's really hard to do what we do. There are days that are really difficult. But we have a lot of success stories, people that have come to us that said, we have saved their lives. Yeah. And that's, that, that helps us keep going on those dark days. Yeah. What, what, is, what, what does that, that process look like from your perspective? You guys have been through this with a number of people and had a lot of success. What does, you know, there's a, there's, I'm sure there's an, a, a different arc for everyone, but, you know, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that recovery process look like from, from what you've seen? Yeah, that's interesting. I have I have lots of different faces and names racing through my head as I think about how to how to try to answer that. I think what it looks like mostly is are you willing to stay engaged? Mm-hmm. And and like Bill said, we want people to come to our groups. We want people to participate in our activities. But we have a number of guys that um you know, they'll go to group and they'll attend group for say a year. And then they kind of go off and live their lives, but we still hear from them. They still show up on occasion. They still reach out. They, they've created friendships with other men, you know, that they, that they stay connected to. And so I think if I were asked, you know, to try to define who I think is going to do well and who isn't going to do well, it's the guy who's open to staying engaged. It's the guy who's open to maybe I don't know it all. Yeah. You know, and the guy who comes here under the duress of, you know, my partner said, if I don't do something, we're, we're done. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. that guy doesn't really want to be here yeah. to begin with. So that's how I've seen some of this. And, and do you guys, is, is there a, so let's say somebody hears this or learns about your organization and, and is, is really has their struggle and is trying to figure out where to start, how to get involved is is there is there a way like in my in my field there are times where I get someone who's like in a pretty bad place and I may say you should actually go see an orthopedist or <clears throat> you know get a get a MRI or something I want that I want to make sure that I'm I'm sort of connected to uh, something with them or just to make sure that they're if if they're if, if you sense that they're in a really bad place that they're getting some other kind of support but you know, beyond that, how, how do, how do you intake people for, from, from your side when, when someone, when someone, or, or, or if, if someone's interested in, in getting involved, how do they get in contact with you? Um, there's a lot of ways to, to get in contact with us. There's, there's our webpage, there's, there's Facebook. What, what, what is your, what is your, your uh, URL? The web address is uh, www.faceitfoundation.org. Okay. And all our information's on there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're all that kind of stuff. So there's sure. a lot of ways to reach out to us. Okay. A lot of times what guys do, they don't want to reach out. They just want to poke around. They want to yeah. put a toe in the water, so yep, to speak, yep. right? Um, you mentioned intake. You know, a number of times the guys come to us have been to therapists over and over. Okay. And they'll sit down and they'll say, oh, yep, this is the intake, right? And it's Mark and I, just like we are today. Yeah, he's wearing shorts and flip flops or whatever, and we're saying, "Well, what's going on? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. We don't break someone down. Right, right. Remember, everything we do is free. There's no paperwork. There's yeah. no insurance. There's no copays. Nothing. So we take that away right away, and we let him know about us. We let him know about our struggles, and that drops their defenses. Yeah. It really does. So there's a lot of ways they can email. They can they can call us. Our number is is on our our, our website and, and Facebook. Our email is out there at info at faceitfoundation.org. and we respond right away. Yep. We get a lot of guys saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys actually emailed me right back." Yeah. Because we know that's important. Yep. We know what it's like to be in a dark place. Yep. Now, if it's somebody that's really in crisis, that's different. Right. That's when Mark jumps in and we're talking about calling 911 or, or that kind of okay. thing. Okay. But generally, that we don't get a lot of crisis here. We don't yeah. promote it that way. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we're always open to meeting with guys. 
I mean, you try to get in with a therapist now, and it could be six, eight weeks, right? right? Exactly. Militaries, especially at the VA. Yeah. I mean, we're willing to talk to them right now. I, I think today. that's. I think that's so important. And even if you suspect that maybe a, a medication might be a good bridge for them, you know, they're they're just at that level. This con- this kind of conversation to actually get to get to talk to somebody one on one, face to face, who's basically been in this, and I, I I kind of go through this with people a lot of times too. Just being able to have that conversation with them and make them feel like you know we we're we're in this we've been through this we're in the we're we're the kind of people you can actually you know rely on and consult with and there's a, and there's a group meeting in two days come right and and I think that that that's you know that's the important thing is is we know and we're clear on what we can do and what we can't yeah, do yeah and um, you know we've had a couple of instances we've we've uh, personally driven people to the ER on more than one occasion. We've gotten the text message after somebody has overdosed. And, you know, we know how to respond to those issues. And I'm very clear with people, this is not an intensive, you know, outpatient or inpatient program. Um, But I think what we have found with men is that by lowering these barriers of the intake, the daunting forms, the, the being asked about their emotional well-being when a lot of men we meet don't even have the first idea what that means. Yeah. You know, um, we are able to engage people. It's been a very interesting process for us. When we first started out, there was definitely some blowback from the professional mental health community. Mm, yeah. And, you know, what do you guys do and who are you? What's your credentials? What, yeah. you know, what, what gives you the right to do this? To now we have relationships with probably about 50 providers in the Minneapolis area yeah. who call us on a routine basis because they know what we do as helping. That's, that's awesome. And and if and if someone wants to become more connected with you, same 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 place, just just contact you through the website or or volunteering. Like I imagine there are a lot of people very similar to you guys who have probably gone through some kind of struggle and really would like to stay connected with this. You know, they may they, they may not be in a dark place anymore, but they 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 kind of see the need to sort of be connected with people like this and sometimes you know helping and being involved in that process is, is a way to kind of stay stable for yourself too we, we would love to hear from those people yeah. and we can always find a role for somebody who wants to volunteer I don't you know I don't always know what it looks like but we run 10 groups out of here yeah. and yeah, of those 10 lot. groups Bill and I run four of them the rest of them are run by volunteers or somebody who was a volunteer and now works for us part time. Yeah. You know, so we're always looking that's how we can expand is the more people we have that know about us, telling people about us, the more we can create more groups. Yeah. And um it you know, anybody who wants to help will figure out a way to get you to help. Maybe you can just come and speak at one of our breakfasts and tell guys how you got better. Yeah. You know, I think it's important too for for people to realize that you don't have to have a Depression, depressive or, or bipolar diagnosis to come here. Yeah. Remember, there was an elderly gentleman that came here because he just liked to hang out with guys. He had no guy friends. Yeah. This was great. You know what? People can come to our groups if, you know, their wife works Tuesday nights, they're home alone, and it's just a tough time for them. Yep. Then great. Come and hang out here. Yeah. I don't care if you're depressed or not. You know what? Again, remember, he's struggling because Tuesday nights are difficult. Yeah. You know, one thing about us is we become flexible. We're working now with what to do about Sunday nights. Sunday nights are very (laughs) difficult for a lot of men. We're worried about the work coming up. I'm I'm stressing out about this, whatever. Well, what can we do on Sunday nights now? Yeah. Again, it's 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 something to fill up time. Yeah. Too much time in our guys' hands is not good. They 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 think how bad they are, what a loser I am. I know I've spent many a times um, with a lot of time on my hands. We didn't touch on it, but in 2011 we did a cross country bike ride. Oh yeah, Mark actually rode a bike from San Francisco to New York, and I followed behind in the RV. And although we were with together, we were together every day. We had two totally different trips. He was on a bike out around moving in countryside and engaging with people. I was in the RV. I didn't have to follow right behind him. I sat for four hours and then drove and met him and that yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. We had two totally different trips. I spent a lot of time by myself, which at first was, this is really nice, Yeah. for about the first 90 minutes. <laughs> and here I am just outside of San Francisco going, oh, my gosh, now what? Yeah. I won't be home until September? This is going to be bad. Oh, and it was. Oh, wow. We tell people we went about 70 miles a day. 
and it changed my life. I recommend it to every single person out there to do it that way, to see the country. It's beautiful. And I would never do it again. Yep. (laughs) Never. It is isolating. It is everything we preach. Yep. That's what it's about. And and but luckily you guys had each other through that process because I'm sure you got to talk a little bit about <laughs> what your own struggles were. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely had each other and, and we learned a lot about ourselves and, and we definitely conquered some demons and you know, we could we could fill podcast after podcast about, you know, our experiences. We were gone for three and a half months. We did uh, over 40 awareness events. Um, we were at Indian reservation churches, hospitals, uh, universities. Oh my God, that's incredible! Yeah, it was an amazing adventure, and out of it came friendships and professional connections and relationships. And you know, we just met so many amazing people. And and all across the country, we only ran into one instance where um, we got into a conversation with a guy in a parking lot. Uh, it was more Bill than I. I was who knows where I was. I probably trying to find uh, strawberry milk at a gas station. And uh, this guy said, men in depression, huh? Well, that's not real. Well, he happened to be with another guy, and his buddy looked at him and said, God, you're an idiot. So, you know, <laughs> so I think people in this country really do know we have a problem. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I, I think men in particular know there's a problem. They just got to take that first step yeah. and reach out. So with, with, with what you guys have learned and gone through and – you know, in your processes of recovery, do you guys, in, in, in relation to what, what I'm kind of getting into with this podcast, uh, there's, there's kind of a variability to the way that we think of, I think, mental health. You know, there's, 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 it's, it's not a static thing. Are, are there any, like, rituals or routines that you guys have found that's, that's worked for you personally? I think for me, I mean, I I think there's a few behavioral sort of things that I can put my yeah, finger yeah. on, like like journaling, yep. um, like yeah, making sure too. I'm exercising on a regular basis. I think the real thing that I've learned about myself is learning to let down my guard and be vulnerable. Yeah, because I'm just human, yep. and and I'm I'm I've got flaws and shortcomings, and so does everybody I've ever met. And and you find out when you when you do that. You, you you basically open up. I mean, my, my wife's always talking about this, she, that that for some reason, everybody, and she's similar to me in some respects, that people just want to talk to us. Exactly. And, and, and that's when you then discover the richness of humanity that Bill mentioned yeah. earlier. We're all in this dang thing together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to figure that out and, and trying to just be part of it has helped me um, – to stay engaged. I, I'm, you know, we were, we had a guy in yesterday and I, and I said to that guy, one of the things I battle is that I still isolate. Now yeah. I don't isolate as in I go in the basement and shut the door, yeah. but I will be in a crowd and people don't know what's going on with me. Cause I don't want to tell them. I don't want to share. Yeah. And you know, it's not yeah. as though I run out in the front step and say, Oh, by the way, I just woke up crying. Um, but I am certainly open to, to telling people that I have my own struggles. Yeah. And I think that's something that people gravitate to us because we are open. We are vulnerable. You know, when you're vulnerable, that's that's scary. When you go out and tell someone that you've had depression problems or you've thought about killing yourself, you better know you who you're talking to because yeah. it could be ugly. But I think it's important. We we a couple weeks ago we had a class in this very room here on shame, mm-hmm. and twenty some guys sat here and talked about their experiences and what shame meant to them. And in the end, we came up with one answer: all of us need to cut ourselves a break. Yeah. It's nothing out of a textbook. It nope. doesn't have a fancy name. It's we all need to just cut ourselves a break a little bit. Guys are tough. The guy we met yesterday is down on himself, and he has got a hundred things going on in his life that would just rock most people's world. Yep. But he still managed to get up, come here, and say, what can I do to make things better? Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. We need to cut ourselves a break a little more often. Bill, do you, do you have anything that you've found for yourself that's that's been kind of a – a, a ritual or a daily or weekly thing that's that's helped you? You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I sat down and thought about that exact thing, and I came up with five words that I use every day to try to make mm. my life better. And the first word is effort. I think everything in, in our lives starts with effort, whether it's work, relationships, anything. It starts with effort. Awareness is important. We talked yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. Honesty. Not that I took 20 bucks out of your car, but to be able to sit down and tell you that, you know what, I'm having a really hard day today. Yeah. Accountability, to be, be accountable for what I do and my decisions. And then to have a plan for what happens on the days I find myself going off the rails, as you said, spoke of before. 
okay, now what? You know what? I'm going to text Mark and say, you know what? I, I had one glass. I now I find I'm four, I'm four glasses in. Yeah. Ugh, why do I do this? Yeah. I have to have a plan. Maybe the plan is just going for a walk or yeah. sitting yeah. down and spending 10 minutes with your wife, whatever. I'm a big fan of journaling as well. Yeah. I think that's really important. We need to get some of these thoughts out of our heads, yep. and that's a good way to do it. And a, and a journal doesn't have to be – too many men here think journaling means I need to write a book, and it's not. Your journal entry today could be, you know what, I'm mad as hell, yep. exclamation point. And the honesty part of that too is such a huge part of it because I, I, I do the same thing, and I've journaled most of my adult life, and I, and I find that you know – Sometimes I'm writing the same damn thing over and over again, week after week, and I'm like, oh, enough of this thing already. But it's it's there. It's and it's and it's clear that it's something that I, you know, I, it's not that I want to like overly focus on it, but it but it needs. I, I need to make sure that I'm aware that this thing is still in existence. And that's the ex- the power of journaling because you can go back and look at the last two weeks of journal and yeah. think, you know what. I'm bitching about the same thing every day. I need to make a change here. Yeah, or 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 on a bad day where you're like, you know, you you think it's been like this forever, and then you go back and read through your journal, and, and there's all these moments where you're like, my life's pretty damn good, actually. We talk about Sundays too. With so many guys, when they journal, Sundays are worse. They're terrible. Yeah, this week's exactly. gonna suck. I know I'm gonna screw up that presentation. I hope I don't get fired. Blah blah blah. And then on Thursday, they're writing about a promotion they got because of the big sale they made after one of the presentations. If you can go back and actually see that, remember I said before, it's one thing to look at a piece of paper that's got stats on it. It's another to have a guy sit across from you and tell you he was sexually assaulted. Right, yeah. When you can read on a piece of paper, you know, what Thursday was a good day. Well, why was that a good day? Think about it, you know. I believe it's important to be reflective. I really push journaling. But you know another thing in journaling is is pictures yeah. it's facebook or on your phone whatever just spin to a, a a random picture and what does that picture make you think of oh remember that's when we took the kids to disney world oh my gosh remember the car broke down but we all ended up singing outside while we waited for the yep, tow truck yep. that's that's a type of journaling yeah those are really important things for people to do yeah i agree well thank you guys so much for this this has been I've been wanting to do this for a while, ever, ever since Mark and I met, and I feel like I, I, I want to make sure that, that this is getting out there, that people realize these kind of resources exist out there. And, uh, you know, if there's, I'm, I'm going to have all your info up on the site. If there's anything, anybody, you know, wants to get involved in any way, um, make sure that they get connected to you guys and keep up this, this amazing work. We, we both appreciate you having uh, taking the time to do this with us. And, and, and I would just say in parting to anybody that's listening to this, if you have any inkling that you want to learn more about your own mood, your own self, just call us. Send us an email. You're not going to get judged. You're, you're, we get it. We get it on many different levels, yeah. and we would love to hear from people. And as you can tell, we both love to talk. So <laughs> we're ready to talk to anybody that comes in for any reason. Yeah. So thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Face It Foundation. I think Face It's a great name for the work that they're doing. I've been kind of thinking about it as a mantra since I've done this conversation with them. There's a lot that we don't want to face. The the challenges with our families or personal relationships, demands of our careers, even our own aging process. It's amazing work that Mark and Bill have embarked on out of their own deepest struggles. And they're not just saving lives, but restoring potential and vitality to those who get involved with Face It Foundation. The, the important thing that they've discovered, I think, is that the, the work that they're doing is really community building. And that's the, that's what, that's the piece that's really giving people the support. Um, and one thing I really got from this conversation uh, besides this is that it's really the sense of isolation, the, the feelings of inadequacy or failure that lead to suicide. And while we think about it as the taking of one life, it really robs families, communities, and generations of this one person's gifts. About a week after I had this conversation, uh, I had a longtime acquaintance, a very close friend of a number of people in my circle, die from the complications of alcoholism at the age of 48. It hit me hard because his life mirrored mine in many ways with school-aged children. He fought for legislation uh, to help vulnerable groups in Minnesota uh, receive the necessary health care that they should have. He was a brilliant guy, much respected. His struggle was silent, though, and even to those... Uh, that were closest to him. 
Another important thing I got uh, from this conversation that has stuck with me is with my my time with uh, Mark and Bill is that everybody is struggling. And we all need someone to turn to, whether it's a, a group, a community around us, for the times when we are just feeling less strong. And for the, and for the times when we are feeling better, our, our highest self, it's, it's good to be involved because we can return that support. Um, it's, it, it's just great work they're doing there. If you think Face It might be a, a good community for you, you can check them out online at faceitfoundation.org. Mark and Bill both share their stories, and you can find their, the, all the support offerings they have from one-on-one peer support to activities and retreats. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this conversation. Hit me up on my email. It's jeremy at highwaytohealthpodcast.com. I'm soon going to be starting a, a Patreon or a Patreon, however you like to say it, uh, account for the podcast uh, to try to keep this, this conversation going. And uh, I'm starting to get some emails coming in for people you'd like to hear me have conversations with. So I've been reaching out and I've gotten a couple of great guests out of it. So thank you for doing that. And feel free to hit me up anytime with these suggestions. Thanks so much for listening. Be good to yourself. Be kind to each other. And take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.